This is the second half of a conversation about abortion accessibility. In the previous episode, we started talking about some of the problematic points in the leaked Supreme Court opinion. So we pick up with that. We also get into the religious influence on the Supreme Court and anti-choice ideology, the trigger laws in U.S. states that will protect the right to abortion, and how we can support abortion access efforts going forward. I wanted to talk about how (laughs) this justice, this motherfucker went back into the 13th century to provide examples of how criminalizing abortion or destroying a fetus in the womb is rooted in our history and tradition. And by the way, the 13th century is prior to the United States establishment as a country. So where did he go? The laws of England? (laughs) 13th century, that's our history and tradition? One, the fact that he went there and then like, why of all the places did you go there? That's very interesting that you made that choice to go back Mm -hmm. to the laws of England. England. I find that very problematic and flawed. Y'all screaming freedom. Y'all celebrate July 4th and all that, talking about freedom, freedom from England. But when you want to prove a point, you go back to 13th century. It made me wonder how far back can you go in these damn opinions? Because I'm like, this is why this shit is 98 pages. He spent so many pages talking about 13th century law, 17th century law. I'm just like, this should not even be allowed. Can we just say, like, if you're at a certain point... There should be a limitation on how far back into the past you can go because the age. years ago? Yes. The age of an idea doesn't provide explanatory power of whether it is right or wrong, just or unjust, and whether it should be adhered to or not. It doesn't matter how far back you go into the past. No, it does not. I mean, we can do the same for same sex relationships, interracial relationships. It's very flawed, and this truly is a slippery slope of the most dangerous kind, in my opinion. Yes. Not to mention, as recent as the 1700s, 1800s, okay, people did not know they were pregnant in the way that they know now. A lot of times, they didn't know until they went into fucking labor. Because back in those days, and yes, even in 13th century England, even though I just said 1700s, 1800s, people's especially women's worth was tied to how many children they could have if they were barren they were considered to be useless so a lot of the times you didn't know you were pregnant until the fetus started kicking they call that quickening and that's how you knew like oh well there might be something going on in and amongst all that there was always the hope that one was pregnant because like i said your worth was tied to that whether you were a high-born woman or a peasant. So we've come so far in our development of learning, like the whole period tracking thing and all that. That's new because that's come with the advent of better diets, more, I can't even say necessarily more sedentary lifestyle, but... It's not sedentary, but I do think like our lives are more regulated than they used to be because like when you take, for instance... People used to have to work for 16 hours and shit, right? Mm -hmm. Like, think of all the ways that might mess with your physiological processes and your circadian rhythms. 
Right. So, Never mind. For a lot of people back then, it was either feast or famine. You know, if your crops died that year, y'all was low on food. And so your menses would be one of the, it was not something that was regulated in a lot of people. Never mind that we're still people. So we had all the other things that went along with that. So all of this, knowing you're pregnant and stuff is really a 20th century invention, really. Pregnancy tests and stuff like that and period trackers. And even still to this day, there are people Mm -hmm. who are not, they don't have regular periods. Or menstrual cycles, if you rather, for a number of reasons. So to say that people just knew, it just smacks of a person who did not do their research. And what happened 800 years ago is not relevant to the state of affairs today. Yeah, especially when you take into account that women are valued beyond their ability to reproduce. On paper. Well, not now. Not this paper. Yeah, the fact that I saw the year 1732 cited in I this. I want to fight. I'm I did not know that people could go back that far. I'm just like, damn, you want to. Why is that relevant? Because you know what he can't do? He can't pull out the Bible and start writing that in there. And so, <laughs> and so <laughs> he's going to do, do the next stupidest thing, <laughs> which is cite 13th century laws of England. Because, you know, you want to pick a good Christian nation mm-hmm. if you're going to talk about the history and traditions of the United States which is fucking dumb. There were actually people living on this land in the 13th century. I wonder if... Uh, you can tell them. Anything that they were doing was cited in this opinion. Something tells me not at all, if I had to Y'all. guess. Can we just talk about, too, before I forget, even the ancient Romans and Greeks had sophium. They didn't want to get pregnant either. I don't know so what that is, take this. But... It's an herb. It went extinct oh, from yeah. overuse because it worked as a contraceptive and it could cause abortion. Okay. Again, I do not think the age of an idea or a practice is justification for or against it. I hear you. I'm just saying abortion's been around and it's not a new thing. He's going back to when people were charging people with witchcraft. The dude he's citing charged people with witchcraft. Don't do this. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> This is backward. Ass backward. This is somebody sitting on the highest court in the land. Okay, anyway. I was going to ask you, do you think they legit write all this shit because they realize Mm. that the only people are going to read it are fellows (laughs) and your everyday average person really can't do much about it, even if we were to read it like you did? No, I mean, he's got clerks and assistants helping him gather all the sources and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he didn't know about the 13th century laws of England. The fact that anybody had to look that up for this stupid-ass opinion is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't. It's one of those things where you're just like, wow, reality is always more ridiculous than anything you could make up for a book. But I don't know why they format it that way, where they cite all that case law. And I mean, it's one of the tests, though, when you're changing the law or advocating for or against the law is people are like, well, what's the precedent, right? Because as I've said in the past, it does not matter what the fuck the law says. They always go by what has taken place in case law. It's just ridiculous. 
And he couldn't find uh, current enough cases, and so he went back into the 18th, <laughs> 17th, and 13th centuries, or relying on case law that didn't have anything to do with abortion also. Uh, yeah, he cited case law that had something to do with assisted suicide um, was some of the current case law that he cited. There was a section of this opinion where he talked about fetal development. So he said an unborn human being's heart begins beating at eight weeks. The unborn human being begins to move in the womb at nine weeks. All basic physiological functions are present at ten weeks. I don't know what that consists of. Mm. That's very vague. Vital organs begin to function. Hair, fingernails, toenails begin to develop at 11 weeks. An unborn human being's diaphragm is developing, and they may move about freely in the womb. And at 12 weeks, the unborn human being has taken on the human form in all relevant respects, whatever that means. Oh, I don't no, know what the fuck that has to do with anything, because there's people who don't oh, okay. look like that and are still... Yeah, oh, okay, keep going. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so what do you have to say to that, Justice Alita? That was ableist, sir. But I think the goal there in his writing is to make it seem like the fetus is a person within the first trimester of pregnancy, because that's when a significant number, if not most, abortions take place, right, in the first mm -hmm. trimester. And so he's like, well, you're already a person by the end of the first trimester, no, and you are not. Editing Raven, cutting in to add that. Even if a fetus was a person, that still doesn't give them the right to anyone's body because, as I said last episode, a person accessing your body without your consent is committing a crime or, at the very least, violating you. Anti-choice folks try to push this belief that fetuses and children are the same. And sure, a lot of folks use the terms interchangeably, but children after they're born can't just rely on their parents' bodies to continue living without the parents' consent. We don't force parents to donate organs, tissue, or blood products to their children to keep them alive. So in those instances, parents' bodily autonomy and consent are respected. But regarding pregnant people and abortion restrictions, autonomy and consent of the mother or the parent with the uterus don't matter. Back to the conversation. A lot of pregnancies spontaneously abort within mm -hmm. the first trimester. That is why the old wives tells of people waiting three months to make sure the pregnancy will take is actually a thing for a lot of Yeah, people. a lot of people, I know, a lot of people mm -hmm. are like, don't tell mm -hmm. before four months because, I mean, there's people who do and then it ends up ending and then you have to, one, deal with that, but then also deal with the fact that everybody learned of your pregnancy that terminated yeah. in miscarriage. That's hard. Next, I wanted to talk about the religious influence on the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. And I think the other case that he's talking about is Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which was a 1992 case. There shouldn't be any religious influence. I know, but here's the thing. Church-state separation is something that is written into our Constitution, but we don't practice it very well in this country. If we do. If we do, we don't practice it well at all. We cherry-pick when we are in favor of church-state separation. So 
all of the Supreme Court justices have some religious affiliation, which is not a surprise because most of the people in this country do. What it is right now is there's six Catholics, two folks of the Jewish faith, and then a Protestant. When Ketanji Jackson sits on the bench as a justice, we'll be swapping out a Jewish person for a Protestant. But the thing is, we have a Catholic majority in the Supreme Court. 67% of the justices are Catholics. In contrast with 22% of the U.S. adult population. Yeah, it is disturbing again when we go back to our fundamental right to contraception because a lot of Catholics are against contraception. I don't know if the same number of folks who are pro-abortion in this country, which is 70%, are also pro-contraception, but it doesn't really matter, right? 70% of the population is not Catholics. And folks who are anti-choice tend to also be against contraception. That's really scary. I'm just sitting here thinking about how interesting it is that people really believe on paper we have a separation of church and state but how they truly really honestly think religious people and religion is a big part if not the biggest part of the lives of people who choose to participate in it and that somehow they're going to turn that off and make a secular decision when they're in positions of power like this like that just boggles my mind that we as a country have said yep that's what they're going to do. Like, they're not going to bring their religious ideology into this at all, because it says that there's a separation of church and state. So by golly, they're going to do more back to the whole do the right thing bullshit. And I know there are folks who are anti-choice and what is called in surveys the nuns, N-O-N-E, nuns, Mm -hmm. we are about the same amount of population as adult Catholics, actually. It's 21%. Some percentage of those folks are anti-choice. And then, to be fair, there are people of various religions who are pro-choice. And that's fine, but they're not sitting on the Supreme Court. And the reason I'm worried about contraception going next is because a lot of folks who are anti-abortion believe that contraception is a form of abortion. As erroneous as it is, yeah. There have been several cases um, where Catholic companies have forbidden insurers. They won't insure birth control or things like that. Which in some states is not legal. And people also forget contraception is not only used in regard to... Preventing pregnancy. Yeah, preventing and reducing the risk of pregnancy. There is someone who has an autoimmune disease I learned about recently, and they need hormonal contraception to treat some symptoms of the autoimmune disease that they have. It is mind-blowing how uh, many benefits there are to contraceptives, hormonal contraceptives, but it has been used to treat various conditions. Some of them are related to reproductive health and others are not. It just shows the deep lack of understanding that people have when it comes to what this medication can be used for. And it's not just in relation to preventing or reducing the risk of pregnancy, but also like 
Calling the use of contraception abortion is like calling somebody's period an abortion, in my opinion. Because well, we talked earlier about how they're trying to criminalize. Yeah, they're trying to criminalize miscarriage. But I'm just saying, like those countries, birth control is not used to abort fetuses. And like, I'm always gonna come back to mind your own goddamn business. Stay out of our vaginas. There's a lot of private shit that goes on with people when they have sex. Sex is private unless they don't want it to be, right? You don't have a say. Right now, somebody is doing some some real freaky stuff that you don't have a say in. It ain't hurting you in no way. Whatever they're doing, you are minding your own business, living your life. So what does that have to do with you? Stop trying to regulate everybody's fucking sex lives. They're regulating access to medical care. They're regulating access to medical care on the basis of their religious beliefs. Well, sex is only for procreation. That's your belief. We still have freedom of religion here. I mean, I know that it actually isn't because in this country, if you're not some form of Christian, then your religion is not actually free. But Again, like we said, there's so many scenarios in which you just don't know. So these people who are making these laws and the people who agree with them, you don't know all of the details as to what leads a person to use contraception or to obtain an abortion. You don't fucking know. Why then can you just not mind your own goddamn business? It has literally nothing to do with They're saving lives. Meanwhile, you don't give a fuck about the people who already exist. We're already here. You don't give a fuck. What are you doing to reduce the number of women being murdered? Being Being murdered. sexually assaulted. Girls. Girls. Little I girls. I said ages 10 it. to 44. And that's, they're talking about people who can get pregnant. There's not talking about younger people than that who can't and are still being assaulted. Some of these little girls don't even get their first period. Because they get raped, they've been molested, and they just go from, they enter puberty, and then bam, they're pregnant at age 9, 10. Fuck out of here. Like, what is wrong with What is their people? life worth to you? Not a goddamn thing, clearly. Not that their life should be more valuable than a 41-year-old woman. Right. But you say it's about the children, but it's not really. No. It's about your beliefs. If you believe in, you know, whatever religion then you should know that you can't live or die for anyone. So it doesn't matter what you restrict or what you allow. At the end of the day, we all got to die for ourselves. So you ain't saving no motherfucking body. (sighs) I would like to point out that in uh, Judaism, they don't believe life begins until first breath. So abortion is actually legal. At the very least, it's not prohibited, right? And so... I was reading this tweet thread by this rabbi who went into detail and he was talking about different uh, verses from the Torah, proving that and was saying like, you know, it's an infringement upon Jewish women's rights and, you know, people are forcing their religion here in the U.S., their Christian beliefs or Catholic beliefs on other people in a country that's supposed to be a country where your religion should not be penalized. Barring it's not, you know, you're not out here performing human sacrifices. But what's happening here is womanhood and bodily autonomy of all people with uteruses is being Mm -hmm. penalized, right? This is Mm -hmm. no longer 
a battle of just religion. It is insofar as our legislators, yes. But when we get into the general population, we have said before, society hates women and girls. And this is one of the ways that they show it. Mm -hmm. They are increasing our risks of dying Increasing the burdens that we have to deal with as women or as people reproducing in general, because they're not lightening that load. They're not, they're not making it easier for you to get the medical care that you need affordably and accessibly and take care of your children. So they do not care about people. Honestly, female people. I honestly think it's the patriarchy. It sounds like, oh, here she goes again. Okay, but. but, Because for real, for real, they want women in a state of, okay, so you are forced to have all these children that you don't want. Work these menial jobs. They're already spreading the disinformation about how women don't actually get paid less than men. That's a lie. And women are left with fewer and fewer options. And I think it's because women have made in the U.S. have made such a surge in being able to take care of themselves within only the last 40 to 50 years, let's be honest. And there are lots of men who can't handle that. They don't want women to be able to make choices and decisions without them. So what do you do? You legislate their rights away and you do it under the guise of saving the children or whatever it is in order to make everybody complacent. But really, they want women back in second-class citizen status because they can't deal with the actuality of women having autonomy and having choices. If they really cared about women, they would be Mm -hmm. working on policies and steps for the stuff that we already talked about that that they ought to be addressing. I'm not going to rehash it again, but they would be doing that. But they're not. Their end game is to subjugate women. I really feel like they feel like that is the only way they can maintain male dominance. And there's a lot of women helping them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of women who have been indoctrinated into thinking that's their purpose is to reproduce. The purpose of sex is to procreate. Mm -hmm. Um, Be submissive to your husband. Be submissive to your husband. He's the one who makes the money. He makes the money, holds the power. Heteronormative bullshit heteronormative bullshit toxicity at its finest so yeah that's what i really think all of this is truly truly about it's not about protecting any one race or maintaining white supremacy although that is always going to be the end goal of the united states but really it's about maintaining white supremacy along with male cisgendered heterosexual supremacy agreed lastly i want to talk about protections for abortion rights. Take heart. There aren't many, but they're there. (laughs) They are there. 16 states, that's one six states, and the District of Columbia have laws that protect the right to abortion. Some of these states are New Jersey, Colorado, Washington State, Connecticut, and I think California. California is one. If not, they are working very hard on protecting the rights to abortion so that they have trigger laws that fall into place when Roe v. Wade is overturned. And they are also working on becoming a sanctuary for anybody seeking abortion. Connecticut is as well. In addition to protecting physicians 
or abortion providers? That's a big one. I know. Because a lot of physicians, they just don't know what to do. And so they don't want to practice anymore. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they're like... And states I realize that and they're they're working mm-hmm. on it. The ones who want to protect abortion Everyone. accessibility. Mm-hmm. Everyone. It's interesting, too, because I said earlier that Michigan's had an abortion ban on the books since 1931. So that will be the law that that will be the trigger law that comes into effect when federal protections for abortion rights go away. However, our governor has appealed to our legislators to get a law on the books protecting abortion rights. So we'll see if that goes through. It's kind of tough here because somehow this woman got elected as our governor, but it seems like the majority of the state hates her. So I, (laughs) I don't know if that's going to happen. I haven't looked so, up at my backwater state yet. Oh, come well, on. Ohio you, be on some bullshit. The Midwest, Ohio, we've man. said it before, the Midwest is, is the, the anus of the U.S. Well, it's the Deep South's little sister. It is the Deep it's South like, I wanna be just with like a Midwest address. Okay. They yeah. just ain't got the weather. They want to be so bad. I hate it here. We had a Republican um, governor and they started calling him a rhino, which for those who don't know, Republican in name only because he did not sign an abortion ban. It was like banned at six weeks. And he was like, no, this is wrong. He's like, I don't agree with abortion, but this is wrong. And they they were like, oh, he's got to go. He's not really a Republican. Oh I'm God. like, wow, I hate it here. Some of these states are expanding the pool of clinicians offering abortion services. They realize that they need to prepare to accommodate increased demand for abortion care from people coming from out of state. So some of these states are allowing trained advanced practice clinicians to perform abortions. I think some already do it. But it has to be in the supervision of a physician. But the goal is that people can perform it without the supervision of a physician. Some of these practitioners include nurse practitioners and physician's assistants, which in a lot of cases, they already do the doctor's job. I'm going to just say, though, majority of it anyway. Every time I've gone to the doctor within the past few years, I have only seen a physician's assistant. I mm-hmm. do. I have never met my doctor. I don't even have technically have a doctor right now. I just go see the nurse. Well, the practice I go to is named after a doctor, so it's her practice. But I, I've mm-hmm. not met this lady. I've only <laughs> met my physician's assistant. I like. I like her. She's great. And I know even in the mental health field, there's a lot of like psychiatric nurses who mm-hmm. do all of the work. And I don't know the psychiatrist. There's what do they do? They just sign off on stuff? I, I don't know what's going on. I, so, sure. okay. So, anyway, there's work to allow those professionals to perform abortions as well as nurse midwives and licensed certified midwives. So, there are states, legislators who are aware that there's an increased demand up the road and they are working on preparing for it. Yeah. So, that's really good to know. It is tough. 16 states and Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. is going to have an overload because we got 50 states. And we did read that Canada and Mexico are Are offering their services, are offering their services to U.S. citizens. And Mm -hmm. all of this is great. Listen. 
there are still people who are not going to be able to get abortions. And this is why we need to attack this problem from every angle. I encourage people to support abortion funds, create abortion funds, offer transportation services if you have it to offer or arrange. I encourage all of that. But to the greatest extent that we can have consent over our bodies, we need to be cognizant of safe sex practices Mm -hmm. and support organizations that teach safe sex practices that provide comprehensive sex education or organize groups for people to access it if the sex education in your area is shit organize groups of people groups of parents whatever Mm -hmm. and get a speaker to come in or you know get some videos from one of these organizations that puts out information on comprehensive sex education and teaches people about consent because man the best way to nip this in the bud is before Mm -hmm. we ever get to somebody needing an abortion i mean we cannot prevent it at all turns i understand that we talked about sex assault and rape and pregnancy complications and there's a lot of other reasons why people get the but Yes. The sex education, you guys, it has to start early. It's never too soon. Now I have nieces and nephews. Is it uncomfortable to look these little, these people who are no longer little babies and talk about penises, vaginas, and vulvas, consent and things like that? Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. But so what? Because what you're doing is you're arming them so that they will be aware of how to prevent bent themselves from getting hurt or hurting others yeah that's the thing you have to think about is it's not just about them getting hurt it's about the fact that they could grow up and hurt other people all of these are avenues that people can take it's very easy to become hopeless when you listen to all of these different people including us talking about limited access to abortions and how other rights can be taken away Mm-hmm. And people talking about how, you know, if if they can take away your right to an abortion, they can force you to get one and all of these things that sound really dystopian. Mm-hmm. But there are still things that we can do. There's a lot of people out here talking about voting in relation to this. I am sorry. The people who represent this country, uh, their ideas and goals do not align with those of us who are not legislators. Even the legislators we elect because we agree with them or they said some shit that sounded good at the podium. Because the thing we always have to think about is those people are compromising. They are always compromising and whatever. Like, that's a part of being a legislator. I don't know. It's tough. We live in a country where voter turnout is only like less than 70%. Because people don't believe in the system. Because of situations like this. Yeah, situations like this do make it seem very bleak. Like, why even vote? But if more than half of that 70% that does vote is Republicans and then they're electing people who end up confirming justices like this, this is why you should get out there and vote. I do not think voting is the answer to this current situation. No. Short of if you live in a state that is working on protections for abortion, get your ass out there and vote because the people who are anti-abortion are definitely 
going to show up and vote against it. I will say what other people said. When it comes to presidential election, that's not the biggest deal in the world. But your representatives, yes, that mattered. Those proposals that end up on the ballots, that is the shit that really fucking matters, right? Like, Yeah, your local government. The president has no influence now on whether or not people have access to abortion rights and whatever rights legislators are going to work on taking away. I think that's the goal of the Republicans, is it not? For It's wild state. because isn't this the party that votes, that advocates for less government? These mm-hmm. people are backward. Yeah. What? I, I th- less government up until a point. Less government and less mm-hmm. rights, apparently. Yeah. The government will stay out of your business as long as you subscribe to our religious beliefs. Because that makes sense. <laughs> Y'all. So free. Land of the free over here. Y'all. So free. <laughs> There's still stuff you can do, y'all. There's still stuff you can do. You're don't, right. Don't I'm not going to lie, guys. I was feeling hopeless. So while she's over here saying that, I'm like, there's hope because, because I want to focus on the shit that we can do. Like there's so many states that got trigger laws that are going to go into effect that are banning abortion. And I was going to talk about that. And then I was like, OK, no, we're going to be hearing all about that. We have been hearing all about that since before this draft was even like yeah. all these states restricting abortion laws and whatever. Like, I don't want to say we can't do anything about that. But now that abortion rights are in the hands of the states, if you're pro-choice Go out there and vote for the pro-choice candidates because these anti-choice, anti-abortion folks, they're showing up quite clearly, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. this is the way we combat it. This is the only chance we've got short of we're going to have a uh, underground railroad of people going to get abortions. Or like they said, it's not going to stop it. What it is going to do, though, is it's going to force people to get illegal abortions and apparently those lives are forfeit if those people get improperly performed abortions and die i guess those lives don't matter nearly as much as the fetus they were carrying and i think that's a really sad state of affairs if that is how those who legislate are looking at the bodies of pregnant people who no longer wish to be This is Intersectional Insights. If you like our content, leave us a rating or review to help the podcast. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you have any comments, questions, or topic suggestions, you can email us, intersectionalinsights at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening.